Hungerford, welcome back to Damnation Verses. He's had me back again. I, I feel like it's because we didn't do the first one any justice. Well, here's the thing. We, we, we've spoken before. We've had phone mm -hmm. calls and that, but we didn't, we didn't know each other. We weren't yeah. friends. We, we certainly weren't social media pals. So it, yeah. was a, it was the first episode. I was a wee bit apprehensive. You probably didn't know what was coming, but no. episodes into this. Now, it was an excellent episode, but then afterwards, I did get to know you. You are yeah. you are mental on social media. You've got fucking your Instagram's bonkers, your your Twitter, your we're in Facebook or Facebook chums. So I was like, well, I get shortchanged there. This woman <laughs> this woman yeah. has a lot more to offer. Exactly. And I think we sort of skirted, if I'm honest. And a lot of people said to me they loved it, but they were like, Oh, you didn't get into this, you didn't get into that, you didn't tell any stories, and I'm like, Oh well. Round two had to happen. Well, exactly, exactly. And see, to be honest, this is the end of season two. And up to about a week ago, this was pretty much the end of Damnation Verses. I was just, I was stopping after this one because... Got it, you got to end on a high, Gav, you see. Got to see, end on a high. So I'm like, we'll see but what I think will happen. I've really enjoyed the Andy Farrow episode. I think I'm really going to enjoy Brilliant. this. It's probably going to do great downloads again, and then I'm going to be persuaded to maybe try and do episode 21 so we'll see how it goes but as it stands right now this is the end of season two you're like one of those bands that says this is our last ever gig <laughs> you are literally and then and then they come back the next year with the reunion tour i know i know it's terrible too because i love doing them and the feedback's been great the downloads for a metal podcast i don't been, think you should stop i need I'm the guests them. i need the thing is the problem is i need the the guests you guys like your, yourself and Andy Farrell and Hayden and the, some of the bands I've had on that are less popular than the promoters and the tour managers, yes. strangely enough. Yes. Um, there's some folk I'm, I'm reaching out to and, and getting no response. And you're like, I, unless we're going to do Vicky versus Gavin week in, week out, there needs to be a point where I'm just like, <laughs> there's... Yeah. I, so I just think, I think we should push more people away because I'm loving it and I'm loving the honesty. And I think it's giving people a good insight into all sorts of the background of the industry. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's like, the, that, the Andy Farrell one was the first one where I was like, holy shit, now I feel like the guy who's never been part of the industry. I was like, this yeah. guy, he's, he, he knows a lot. He knows, yeah. a, he, he knows and I, I know it's not my job to know about publishing and sync deals and X, Y, and Z, but I could see it was my first real taste of, oh, this is what a fan listening this. Yeah. When we, yeah, when we yeah. talk about fees or riders, and that, that's just our language, and we've done that for 15, 20 years. So exactly. that becomes like, whereas when he was using language, and I was like, I have no clue what this guy's talking about. What are you talking about? It but was, don't you find that inspiring? Because you like listen to it, and then you're like, it's a whole nother world. Yeah. And it's, it's listening to him talk about things like you say that we've got no clue of because we don't deal with it day to day. Why would we? No. Um, and it fascinates me. And I suppose it's, it's the same as people when they listen to you or listen to me because they don't do what we do. Yeah. They find that a level of fascinating. Yeah. Well, listen, you, you're a much bigger player in this industry than I am. So you get your, you, you, you get clips on ears. Say, listen, guys, the road burns, the downloads. The, and say, listen, Damnation Versus needs a season three and it needs guests. When this is off air, we're going to talk about who you want and I'm going to nag them. Okay, well, you've, you've, got, you've got a rich history. In fact, what we could do is we could get a few of the listeners to say who they really want you to interview. Because the thing is, I'm not an interviewer, right? I'm no good at it. You are brilliant at this. And I would love to throw a few people your way that I know would be great. Throw them all, because I tell you what, there's been, you know what disappointed me? 
I, I, I've kind of got people joking about because I mention this now, but I always assume that somebody's listening for the first time. I've been a journalist for 20 years, so I know what a story is. And we've yeah. we done the first, I think that the metal journalism is terrible. Like music yeah. journalism, I think that I've got friends yeah. that are writers for Crying Metal Hammer. They are amazing feature writers, far better writers than I'll ever be. But music journalism, actually getting a line for a story, they're awful. And when yeah. I came off that, that first interview with you, and you'd said you'd received death threats for yeah. some of the bands booked, I, I was like, this is this is gold in terms of journalism. This is, yeah, of course it is, yeah. So I contacted a few of the magazines and said, listen, I've got Vicky Hungerford. I checked Google, made sure that you hadn't said that quote, I hadn't been reported elsewhere. And I went to the guys and I said, look, here's the content here. The, 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 the book are one of the premier metal festivals in Europe is saying she gets death threats. There's a whole thing about sexism and metal at the moment as well. Yeah. There's a line right there, and, and it kind of just get ignored. And then the next story you'll see is, here's Linkin Park's top five. Oh, no! Right? Yeah. Here's yeah. fucking Rob Zombie, why did I go vegan? I'm like, why, why are we getting fed? I know. But this is why, and I hate to say it, and I shouldn't probably say it, but hey, we're on episode two. I don't... Hey. I don't have a huge regard for the media at all because, and I never ever have, because I'm like, you cover basically what you want to cover, um, which I understand there has to be a level of they're covering the latest album of whatever band. There's also a hell of a lot of drivel in a lot of the media. A lot of good, important stories are never picked up. And I just, I don't know, I think there's always, I feel like there's always an agenda with a lot of media. It, it just um, seems, it, it seems so, I mean, music media here, but not, but don't let's, like you. Well, again, I don't, you've me on tabloid media, no, yeah, let's not go there. Yeah, yourself and Alan, because oh. you, you guys comment a lot on a site called Derbyshire Live. Yes, that's, we do, yeah. That's my company. So I, I, work, I work for Reach PLC, which is the live nation of journalism. Well, uh, I'm just going to tell you this. I used to work years ago for Northcliffe Newspapers, right. who owned Derby Live. So I was the advertising exec for the Derby Live. Okay. Oh, no, this is a pointless thing. So the journalism, though, literally is written by sort of Sarah, age six and a half, where she's copy and pasted something from another news source, probably the Express, which tell us every year that the worst snowstorm that's ever hit the, the earth is about to hit England. So you're, I, you're talking, yeah. you're talking my language now. I'm not, we're not going to go down this because I could do a podcast just to see these live sites and what's happened to tabloid journalism that I'm involved in, the print product where you actually have to yeah. pay for them. Yeah, that you're, you're totally right. That nonsense where it's just getting, everything's just regurgitated clickbait nonsense. That, that really, that kills me. I'm a bit of a dinosaur. Even though I'm at 39, I'm a bit of a dinosaur in, in the press journalism. I still like a story to be created, you know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody go and chap a door and actually get the story, and that's what the journalists have what I've done, and that's what my journalists do. I don't even know why you're talking about this, why I would talk about this, because I'm using journalism. So, <laughs> there was yeah. the, there was that, the, the idea of you getting death threats and no one thinking that was interesting enough to report. And then there it's was- not into it. And then it was like, like Ghost Bath, the guy saying, oh, there's going to be lyrics in the next album. Now, you could see that on Blabbermouth, or you could see that on, like, once it's once it's packaged up in a press release and given to them, I'm like, but yeah. it's right here. It's Falbert. Yeah. It's like, you know, everybody talks about music, uh, uh, sexism, and metal, but no one really gives you tangible evidence. So she says, well, people try to upskirt me 
people tell me to name three albums before I come into a room, X, Y, and Z, and we can discuss how your feelings of women music, I've seen your reply to it. But I was like, there was so many of these things, I'm just like, people don't care if there's any work involved. They actually no. go and try and If they have to go out and be a journalist, is the point, they don't want to do that. So they don't want to go, you know, here's, here's something that could be great. I need to now go and do the work. What they want is for you, very, very right what you're saying, is to go, here's the press release. Yeah, here's the press release, topped and tailed. And I'm like, I've even yeah. seen it with Damnation over here. I'm sure it's the same bus stop. And it was like, yeah. nothing's ever added. Nothing's ever no. detracted. It's just like, here's what's written, boom, slap, bang, and repackaged. Now it goes, and it's, it's really depressing because I think that, I think a lot about the, the music scene, our scene, in the yeah. UK, I mean, Bloodstock's attracting 20,000 fans, Damnation, three or 4,000, you've got downloads. So there's a huge industry here, and we've got a music press that's, that's very feature-led. It's lacklustered. And, yeah. and, and, it, like, and it's like any time we do an, an announcement, yeah, it goes out on a Facebook link or a, you know, whatever, which takes them all of a second to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we give them a fully done press release. We've got a PR company that do our press, and we, the press releases, and it's, it doesn't change. It's, it's what we're given. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's but, you a, know, that was a tangent I was not expecting. This, <laughs> this is going to be like a firework. It's be great. <laughs> oh, we've only just started, Gav. Where could we go? Yeah, I've been in lockdown too long. You know? How to end your career in the music industry in an hour and a half by <laughs> Gav and Vicky. <laughs> Wait till you see how few outlets use the next press release at Damnation. <laughs> You know what? The way I look at it nowadays, I think, well, it's kind of been like that for years. Yeah. Like, in the, you, you know what it's like. In the early days, you're begging press to cover you. Yeah. Uh, you're begging to get in there, and it's, well, you know, you're not big enough for us to give you this, this, and this. Yeah. Uh, or we want you to pay. I got, this, real, this. I got sad. That, and this, again, that, this is, again, in my personal career, that idea of, I mean, Metal Hammer done it to me once. It was like a repackaged pay-to-play deal. It was like, oh, we'll sponsor your festival, give us three grand, and then they repackaged it as, this is the advertising you'll get. Like, no, I'm just paying for advertising. Yeah, Don't you I'm think that Devon Townsend coming to play Damnation or OPF coming to play Damnation is just newsworthy in its own yeah, right? Exactly. It's but, like, then, but then I miss, like, Terrorizer. Yeah. Because, you know, it was real heart and bones, you know, independent magazine that did give a shit. Yeah, about yeah. everything and it's so sad that it's not there because you know Miranda put the heart into everything and like you so massively support the independent side of things it's hard yeah um so so I sort of look at things now where I'm like you don't have I sort of look at it that like you you're paying to advertise and we might give you some editorial or yeah that, that band's flavor of the month so we might give them a piece but I'm not begging the press to cover the festival. No. You don't want to cover it, don't cover it. And that's a wee bit like this, this uh, the podcast as well. This is, um, it's still, the episodes are still going out to thousands of people. I mean, there's some value in having this chat because you're yeah. getting folk at the other side that are, I mean, that it's there. You can see it on Instagram, you can see it on Facebook. Oh, I checked out Amon Ra, or maybe she will because it was mentioned yeah. on the podcast. Well, I've had people that have bought tickets for Damnation only through the podcast. They never realised yeah. that Damnation existed, which is bonkers when you think about it. Brilliant. But then I was going to folk and saying, like, small, like, church records, for example. It's yeah. a small record label. I said, look, you, find, you guys fancy coming on having a chat and we'll talk about church records and no even a reply. And then you've got no. Nuclear Blast put out to 700,000 people and you're like, Which was I'm, not, amazing. I'm not begging. I'm not getting, like, is, I'm, there's no money in this. It's just my time. Right. 
to me, I'm like, well, it's just a good thing. You know, we're all in lockdown. We're all screaming for content. We all want to listen to stuff that's not to do with the vaccine or COVID or whatever else. And to me, it's like, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you get involved? Um, but then I, I have this theory that I'm not begging people. I'm not, you know, I, and that's the same with the media. If you don't want to cover us, don't cover us. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're wrapping this, but like, <laughs> sorry anyone who's listening in for that first 10 minutes. Yeah, of sorry, it. <laughs> you can edit this anyway. But no, nothing gets edited, nothing okay. gets edited. Uh, but I want to quickly say thank you to you, just on that note, because you have been a supporter of the podcast. We, we weren't friends beforehand. You have been a we're massive... We're enemies, though. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't, no, of course we weren't, but it's like, well, everyone who's been on the podcast, like yourself and Tom Begley for Bosque have been big supporters of it. I mean, tell Love them... It. And when you guys know the folk that you know, because podcasts are like Netflix TV programs, it's about word of mouth. It's not about something. Yeah. Not about me telling folk, listen to Damnation Verse level. You would say that. But if you get Vicky for Bloodstock, you get Tom Begley for Bosk saying, listen, this stuff's quite good. It's brilliant. So, Honestly, I don't think you should stop it. I'm just saying, I'm just putting I, it out there. Well, you're going to get me the next 10 guests, so I'm not going to have to stop there you it. Go. <laughs> and you can't, and you don't get to choose who they are either. Okay, <laughs> I know I'm going to be a lot of research. So here, here we go. Let's get started. Right. The bloodstock here and now, February twenty twenty one. What's yep. the what's the plans? Where are we? Right. I'm glad we're doing it here because nobody knows this. So this is kind of an exclusive discussion on this. So we know how the world looks right now. Yep. We have a plan and a date, um, which isn't imminent. It isn't an imminent date of next week, the festival. If if it's all not singing and roses with the government, it cancels. We have got time on our side yeah. because we are in the middle of August. Yeah. So we've got a lot more time than other events, yeah. which I'm incredibly thankful for. You know, like everybody, and I'm sure even you're thinking the same, but then you're in a whole different picture because you're November. And then those, but you don't know what's going to involve well, that. This is the, and the thing is, we are in, we will work with the government as, in any way we can. We're part of the AIF, uh, the Alliance for Independent Festivals, for anyone that doesn't know what that means. So we are championing the government constantly. They are aware that a lot of festivals, and this, is, this doesn't take Bloodstock into account, a lot of festivals, you know, independent festivals, have got until no later than the 30th of March to make a decision either way. Yeah. Because for a lot of festivals, they're in June, July, May, early August. You know, and you know what it's like. You've got to, if, you, if you're being forced to call something or postpone something, yeah. You, you've got to have some kind of direction from the government. Now, obviously in England, we are looking at this potential 22nd of February, this roadmap yeah. as to what that might bring. You know, we're looking at the fact of how many vaccines are being rolled out. We are hopeful, and, and, and here's the thing I need to let people know, that if we can put an event on, and I say that because all sorts of tangents could come into this, the government could turn around and say, you can't have an event past 10,000 people, but you can have up to 10,000. Yeah. Which means we've still got an event to put on, but it would be in a different, potentially different form. Yeah. Because so, we're not at 20,000. Yeah. So you said at the minute, you get February 2020, February 22nd is the, is the next sort of hurdle, the next sort of point of, right, where do we go yeah. for there? But you're optimistic it, it, something can happen yeah. oh yeah i mean the way we're looking at it at the moment we've got time you know we've got a good amount of time before we need to make 
harsh decisions because of when we are in the calendar. Yeah. Um, I'm liaising with all the bands constantly with regards to things like travel corridors and flying in, because obviously it's all right in the UK being all right, Yeah. but I'm flying bands in from Canada and America and all over the world. I need the travel corridors to be all right. Yeah. Is, is there, that someone made this point, I thought about himself, was Andy made that point for his bands. He believes they're going to be able to tour again domestically in their countries before they can start start looking at um, worldwide to them. Damnation's in a weird spot because usually we don't have that many American bands, but for whatever reason, bad luck I suppose this year, the fucking entire bill is American. So if... You wouldn't think it, would you? It's not something you've ever not, had to think about. Of course, of course not, but I'm sure there's been years been one American band and this year it seems to be that there's 90%. So... For Damnation to do a Damnation that was UK-based, it could potentially work. You could get a My Dying Bride, the Electric Wizard, Carcass, Orange Goblin, Alan Arthrak, well, if Mick Kenny was over here, etc., etc. But selling 3,000, 4,000 tickets at a push is one thing. Trying to get a bloodstock to happen on a UK bill is something entirely different. Now, is... Is your your thinking even there yet that there might be a UK Um, bill that can be? Your thinking goes, we've got about three or four different contingencies. Right. Uh, now, yes, one of them, I mean, because this is, this is the nightmare. You are literally working blind. Because the government could say, absolutely, all fine to go ahead. I mean, I've heard is that the Belgian government said all festivals can happen from the 1st of July. Yeah. Which is I a dream. I think it's a Dutch one. Or Dutch, maybe and, Dutch yeah, and Belgium. And, yeah. and, so there's a number of European that have said, 1st yeah. of July, your festival's good to go. Which would be fantastic to hear that. Yeah. Um, so we've got all these different contingencies that we can look at. You know, the government could turn around and say, you're fine to go ahead. The government could turn around and say, you can find to go ahead, but you can't have these artists coming in from these countries. You're fine to go ahead, but you can't have more than 15,000 or 10,000 or 5,000. Yeah. And whatever is put our way, we will have a contingency plan in place to work around it. Because we, we want to be able to put on an event. Yes. Purely for the fact... Yeah, I mean, and I'm saying this out loud and there's nothing set in stone. Let's say the, the bloodstock format that we've got can't happen in the way it is with the bands we've got this year because of travel corridors or the government say no, but they can let us put 7,000 people in a field. We will put 7,000 people in a field. Yeah. And I think people are so, I mean, I know I am, so desperate to go to a, an event that I actually think even if the bill changed and all sorts of things happened and yes we'd have to look at logistics and people that have bought tickets and how it would work and this is all early stages but i think you would get seven thousand people in a field for a british lineup i really do yeah yeah and i'm just saying that out loud so don't let anyone don't it's not set in stone that the, <laughs> we don't know we no, just we don't, don't know. we don't you see you're walking completely blind but it brings you some interest because then you think see say they go no bloodstock's fine to go to twenty thousand if it wants but you kind of get the American bands and the European bands because yeah. of the travel. Go- and then, yeah. then I'm thinking about, well, who it, because we're Bring Me Horizon, but we look for my Valentine while she sleeps. I mean, are they going to be there? Uh- now you see, it's funny you should say that, and I will bring 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 me the Horizon into this, right? Because yeah. I was sitting there racking my brains like, all right, well, what bands are in the UK that are probably doing nothing that are a great band? Now, Bring Me the Horizon is one of my all-time favourite bands. Regardless that it's not necessarily a Bloodstock band, I adore Bring Me. Yeah. Um, and if Bring Me did their early stuff, their heavy as hell first couple of albums, yeah. the real sort of Cradle of Filth type stuff, I, I mean, I think they'd kill it. 
but this again is me thinking out loud these are just you know this will be people now tweeting vicky's about to book, bring me the horizon for a place merciful fate this will be the next tweet vicky said to gav that she, she's gonna replace merciful fate with bring me and i didn't say that i tell you who won't report that the music press so <laughs> no i mean literally anything could happen in this conversation and, no and nothing will get reported no, nothing <laughs> no, that is, but bring listen bring the rise are a fucking fantastic They're album, amazing. i do love that band and even up to the last album you saw when it get really soft and poppy i mean up to the sepaterno and suicide season could still work i mean on a, they they have got not only have they got the show he is the band are brilliant and he yeah. is a great front man and they've got great it's like like the partway drive they've got sing-alongs and they've got the heavy as hell are they, are they maybe a bit too big though in the sense of like they're a band who could headline downwards at this stage the thing is and i've said this i think there'd be a cracking download headliner but my argument is just let's say let's put this let's put this theoretical thing out there that we can't have any other band from europe or America, anywhere in the world, so we can only have British bands. Yeah. We went to Bring Me and said, well, you can't do anything else at the moment. Yeah. So you might as well come and play Bloodstock, because I mean, you're not doing anything. Yeah. And they, they could turn around and go, I mean, this is hypothetical, because I'm sure Paul Ryan sat there going, Vicky, they would not do this. <laughs> but I'm just hypothetically putting that out there. And then they could play, do a killer set for an hour and a half, yeah. because they wouldn't be doing anything else, because they can't travel, potentially. Yeah. or they're only doing local shows it's just an idea but yeah. hey it could work and let's face it headlining bloodstock's not a small show so it's not, it's not like i'm asking bring my eyes and it come and headline damnation i mean you're still going to be there the twenty thousand fans and it's um, aye, they, they'd be good and in terms have you ever have you ever crossed paths with like that same ilk of bands the way she sleeps the architects the bullet from a valentine's or yeah. i mean i mean bullet I've been offered a number of times, and here's the thing. I think they work on the fact, this is, this is kind of like when we booked Trivium. Um, it's a tail wagging dog, as I often say. So the minority of um, haters are so vocal that you would believe the entire festival didn't want the band. Yeah. Um, and I think they'd kill it. I think they'd do a cracking set. And yes, we would look at those bands because we are a metal event. Yeah. And our job is to try and get 20,000 people into a field. Yeah. And we are blessed. This island is blessed with talent. I mean, you've already oh. got your Bill Skindred, Paradise Lost, Orange Goblin. Yep. There's a lot, as I see, you get the Carcasses, Electric Wizard, My Dying Brides. There's a lot. I could go, there's millions of bands you could stack. It's just there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of those bands that could fill the top slot. I mean, then you need to start to get to build from a vantage. Otherwise, you go to Iron Maiden or you I go like to huge, and that is too big. But the thing is, like you say, if you said, well, all right, we're going to do a best of British bloodstock, I mean, that's just, you know, and yeah. we, because we've got to, we can't do anything else, it would be killer because we have enough talent on this fantastic island to do that. Yeah. I genuinely believe that we could do that, and it would and then, be brilliant. And then we do become enemies because we are fighting over the <laughs> exact same. And we can share because like sharing it. is caring. Well, listen, we need two gigs. So for, for yeah. our own for our own mental health, we need two it's gigs. Only two events this year. Imagine if it was just damnation and bloodstock. Yeah. Okay? 
I mean, you've got to believe people just come to vote because they need it. Iron Maiden say they're going to play Bloodstock because they've got nothing else to go to. <laughs> I, I might just hit these bands up and say, look, come on, what else are you doing? What else are you doing? Forget it, come on, this would be great. Yeah. So is it, a, is it a deadline for you guys? I mean, you don't need to get an exact date, but is there a month yeah. that you guys need to know what the government's thinking? There's a month, um, and to reassure people, it's not imminent, which is good. So there is a month that we're working to in our minds that we need to have this, this and this in place. We have a team of people looking at infrastructure. So should the government drop a bombshell and say, right, yes, your event can go ahead with 7,000 people. We've got about five different plans in our mind. Okay. Ready to go. But we just sat here like we all are. Wait. And the thing is, we know on the 22nd, the government aren't going to turn around and go, okay, so... They're going to talk about schools and the pubs. That's it. Yeah. And they're going to talk about... They do not care about the music industry. The music industry has been... I mean, and even for myself, in a, in a, I mean, a fraction of the, the issues you guys are dealing with, just this in February already, looking to November, like, well, do I need a plan B British lineup, Or is it going to be that even if a festival outdoors that can have five or seven thousands... Okay, to go ahead because it's fresh air. Is damnation definitely not going to happen because it's indoors? Or I mean, is there any sort of guidance to any? And and I feel like because what, what's happening now is you're making announcements, and as you say, the tail wagging dog is. Yeah. You just see the oh for fuck's sake, that's not going to happen. You might as well can you. You mean twenty twenty three smirky face, and you're just like, oh these people. I know, are... and, and you know when we what frustrates me, but I get it because I try and sit on the fence is I see a post, we'll put a post out of something positive, and they'll go, I don't know why you're bothering, you know it's not going to happen, and it probably won't happen next year, so it's 2023, and then I'm like, oh, God. You can you know, come in and do it friendly, but you might as well just post, you are an idiot, why bother? I mean, you might yeah. as well just post that, because that is yeah. what people are saying, you're like, you're here, you're trying to piece it, you don't, you don't know the answers, I don't know the answers, yeah. In the hands of our governments and scientists and vaccines and God knows what else, you're just aiming for something positive, and then people are coming in and be like, "Idiot!" Exactly. That's how it reads to me. But you know what, right? We were a year. Obviously, this has been a year pretty much now, and I think, but we we have now got light at the end of the tunnel. We yes. have got a vaccine rollout. Whatever way you look at it, we've got good drugs. We've got a vaccine rollout. The world is now under a vaccine programme. So we aren't going to be, as every week and month that goes by, I'm trying to see the positives that that's another however many hundred thousands of people vaccinated worldwide. Yeah. You know, and whatever you look at it, we have to at some point start moving the world again, moving to start opening things back up because we as a country can't afford it. Yeah, no, no, of course not. Of course not. I mean, there's no point. To, like, exactly. I, I, I don't want to get this into a COVID. No, 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 no. We'll talk about I, I've got as as is tradition for the end of a season. I've got some bubbly. You've got some bubbly. I've got yeah. I mean, it really is diet coke. But <laughs> that, at least so you made the effort. Control. At least you made I the effort. Feel, I made an effort. I got. I've got like wine glass. Even my husband when I got the wine glass out went. You don't drink. I went. I'm putting my diet coke in it. <laughs> Well, I, I've got two. One for you, one for me. So the first that's one's very up. honourable of you. <laughs> that's a Glaswegian. That's a Glaswegian that date. That's a that is, isn't it? So let's lighten the mood. Since the last time we spoke, you started this cracking. 
we feature on your um, Instagram heavy metal stories, which uh, yeah. folks seem to really get involved with. So tell, let's let's pick out a couple of well, my favourites. Anyway, you had one about a, a disrespectful band that came back to an empty restroom. So tell me about that. Basically, I have to really be careful of this because I'm going to drop who the band is and what happened. But a few people know this. So a few years ago, we had a band that the deal was done to play Bloodstock, exclusive, you know, and, and when things like that are done, you know, you can't then just renege on it. That's not how this works. Yeah. So then they came to me a few weeks afterwards to say, we've had a really good offer from another event in the UK. Um, and the way that the event had sold it to the band, which again is a shitty way of doing it, is... Our headliner, which was quite a big headliner, has asked you to play on the bill with them, right? So this band was told by the other festival, we want you and so does the headliner, which is a real like, nah, come on. Right. Has the headliner really asked for that band to play on the bill? <laughs> really? So the band, so I sort of dug my heels and said, well, no, you know, and, and obviously they didn't want to, so I says, well, we'll drop your fee by half then. No, no, we're not doing that. We want the full fee and we want to play another event. I says, well, no, you're not having your cake and eat it. So no. So it was kind of dealt with. So then when the band get to Bloodstock and they get on stage, they opened up their, um, you know, hi, we are so pleased to be playing at, and they named the other festival. And then they looked at the crowd, looked at, you know, the crew went oops sorry and then they got a round of boot no, well, I was incensed because I was thinking you're now taking the piss basically yeah yep. uh, we treated you so well we've given you everything you want you got the money you wanted you know you tried to renege on a contract which I clearly said no why would we so I did no more <laughs> than go into their dressing room which was beautifully furnished with everything that they requested I took the entire rider out. It was about me and four other people whilst they were on stage playing. Took the entire rider out, all the creature comforts. I took the light bulb out and I left them half a bottle of used Evian on the coffee table. So when they came back and I gave the rider to the band next door and I said, you guys, knock yourself out, you know, make a huge party, have a great noise because that's not how we treat people here. And they, they came back quite sheepishly, walked into this dark room, dark, dark dressing room with no light bulb and half a bottle of Evian. <laughs> but there's no need to be like that, Gav, is there? there? Isn't, which, I know you're being doing a respectful thing and not naming them. I know the band, and they've done the same to me, basically. They've done the same to oh, me. Oh, there we go, then. Uh, I never went out and took that. They, they never went on stage and mentioned it at a festival, but we agreed uh, an exclusive fee, and then other shows appeared, and it was, don't get me wrong, uh, I managed to haggle a wee bit off the fee, but it was, it, it's that, it's weird that you're mentioning that band and that also happened to me, that some bands just, once you've done a deal, a deal's done. I mean, it, we can always negotiate, we can always come back and we can always well, see... Thing. You, you, there's always room for it, but then it's like, if I um, had, a, had a band play the festival and we, we paid bands, which most people do, 50% four weeks before the balance on the week of the event. So if I just said to a band, you know what, I'm just not gonna pay you the balance. Why? I just don't want to. Yeah. It's the same as me doing that, reneging on a contract. You know, once I've agreed something, not just in writing, but if I say something, my word is a contract. Yeah. And I'm really moral and boring on that. 
So the fact that then they had the audacity to name the other event on stage as a dig at us. Yeah. Um, and I did profoundly say that the band would not be welcome back. Oh. And is that, yeah. is that, is that still apply? Is oh yeah, but if we have to have, um, <laughs> <laughs> we have to change things around, but it has, it has since, it has since. And it, and it is a band that, you know, clearly we do get some requests for, yeah. but you know, we won't be treated like that. You know, it's not, it's not how this works. No, 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 of course not, of course not. And then there was a time now when it kind of caught me a wee bit was a uh, Ramstein. You ended up in a groupie pen. <laughs> oh my God. I'll tell you what, things happen to me are just, so obviously we're good friends with Phil Campbell. Yeah. So we've gone to download and Phil's like, oh, we'll get you to meet Till. Cause I'm a massive fan. I was like, I'd love to meet Till and all the rest of it. And it was me, Adam, Rachel, my other half, Alan lovely guy took us into their dressing area he showed us all the dildos which i thought was brilliant and then when we came to the side of the stage their manager production manager said right okay because obviously you're female you need to go with these ladies and i was like well can i not just go with my husband and no 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 no. you're a woman so we need you to go here and, and i looked at these women no disrespect to them there just wasn't me and they, they were, you know, no clothes on, huge breasts, porn star looks. And I was like, but I don't want to go with them. I don't even know who they are. And it was like, it's just the way we work. We have all the women on one side. And literally, I thought, I'm well out of my depth now. I don't want to do this. <laughs> and you know, when you saw, I, um, my husband was laughing his head off as he went with the boys to the other yep. side of the stage. Yeah. The women had to be on the visible side so that the crowd could see women, because I don't think men are, are look as eye candy-ish, I suppose. Okay. So halfway, so halfway through the first song, I just looked at the production manager, because you have to be very careful on, on set, because the pyro that they yeah. use is mental. And this guy, I said, I'm going off. I said, I'm going to watch Front of House. And this guy was like, you're on stage. Because obviously, you know, I said, well, I know, and I'm really appreciative that I'm here, but you do not get to see a show like this on stage. You need to be front of house yeah. to see. You can't even hear anything. Because when the pyro goes off, it's deafening on stage. Yeah. Um, and it kind, of, it, it kind of just, I don't know. I mean, me and the groupie scene doesn't, I've got my opinions on it all. But it was just being stood there with these Barbie doll, clearly groupies. Yeah. And you know when you're just like, yeah, I know. No, um, <laughs> you get out of here. And, and Alan sat, Alan sat in the boys' side just enjoying his... Oh, yeah, Alan's being one of the lads. And, like, he was giggling away thinking it was hilarious. And I was like, well, no, you know. But obviously, that's how it presumably works for some bands. And you don't know if it's the band saying that or if it's the crew saying that. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen, have you seen evidence of that at Bloodstock? Obviously, you deal with some rock superstars or maybe guys that have maybe got a bit of that 80s, oh, yeah. 90s sort of sexism still there that you probably wouldn't expect for a band that'd be kicking a bit fast. Have you seen some of that? We, we yeah, we had a band. I, I, I hate bands sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we had a band that on their rider requested blowjobs. <laughs> And I that's gonna get me, I'll get cancelled. <laughs> but you know, but the thing is, here's me going, all right, well, I can't I can't necessarily facilitate this. And then I mean, 
and I even had to go, I mean, this is awful me saying this here, but there are women that are quite willing to do that. And even the particular women that I was saying, look, you know, there's a particular guy, is you interested in hanging out and whatever else? And even these women were like, well, who is it? And I'd say, they were like, no, right. (laughs) 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 I'd rather not, if you don't mind. And the best, I don't know if I did this on the last podcast, but one of our headliners about three or four years ago, maybe longer, went up to Alan, my husband, and said, "Um, yeah, one of the um, band members would like a blowjob of her. And it was me. And Alan just went, yeah, 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 hang on a minute. So he pulled me over and he went, Vicky, this is such and such. Vicky's the promoter of the festival and she's my wife. You have never seen (laughs) a guy so mortified. I'm going red, wasn't you? (laughs) I know, I know. But the thing is, and and you know, we've had had a, a big headliner where... Then mistresses came to the event. Then we had to get them very quickly set, um, removed from sight because the wife was coming. Oh, Jesus. Within oh, an Jesus. hour. That's and too I'm much. Like, it's too much. I, I, I struggle with drum changes. You know, a fresh backdrop. I'm like, fuck, do you really need a fresh backdrop? <laughs> you know, just... <laughs> get, fuck it's it. Just... I mean, I know we're laughing, but there is a sinister side to that, and I probably... I'm I'm very I'm very moral so the problem with this it doesn't sit with me because I think on a serious side it was my husband and he was in a band and groupies were there and all that I you know it would be awful and no woman should experience that so I get very moral so I've actually pulled groupies out of dressing rooms (laughs) because I know that said band members are married so I'll go I'll intervene and they're like oh no it's fine I'm like no it's not fine with me it's my backstage area you leave yeah, yeah. Because uh, I don't, you know, it, 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 it's also have some respect. You know, these women have a bit of respect for yourself. Aye. You don't be doing that, and if you're doing it, you're not doing it on my watch. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's bizarre. It's hurtful. It's hurtful because there's never been a band member that asked me for a blowjob. So <laughs> I don't think you're doing it right, Gav. You know, I'm what I think? not. I'm I doing too much. Swearing. I'm but doing too I much. Think the lipstick. I'll say it's you your lipstick. I need and, and a, a new hair doing some lipstick. You know, I might, I, I might, uh, I might go down there. Like in the right way, and honestly, you'll be good to go. I'll be good to go. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, once we get uh, once we get shows back up and running, I'll I'll up my act and see what's uh, what's on the go. I'll help you, Gav. We'll get a, we'll get you to offer a blowjob by the end of this year. <laughs> you'll be on your knees by the end of your son. <laughs> So, oh Jesus, Vicky, my fucking cheeks are. This is the first time I've seen you blush. Oh man, I no wonder what am I supposed to do with that story? What am I supposed to do? Do you know what? You you look at it for what it is, right? I get, I mean, I do get it. I get asked this to organise, so it's even more. And I just, you know what? When when someone asks you that, I look at them with more of a, you poor fucker. Aye, aye. Of course, of course. Yeah. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty. I'm try, I can't even put it in context. I mean, my beautiful wife uh, works at the the merch stall at Damnation, and she gets some attention. But thankfully, the fans aren't as disrespectful as uh, as some band members can be. That probably just used to get their own way. Uh, yeah. From the from the world for the last twenty years. So talking about bands, not blowjobs. <laughs> the 
You mentioned some bands as well, and some of the Instagram videos you've been doing here, they're ever like Calm, Clutch, Stone Sour. Let's talk yeah. about let's talk about some of them. Is there been is is there a chance to see Calm headline Bloodstock tonight? Absolutely. A hundred percent we'd have corn. I've made no um I've made no secret about it. I think Corn would be a cracking uh, headliner. They're a great band. They would be good for the festival. You know, no one can say that they wouldn't sit on the bill because they would. Yeah. Um, I've, I've spoken about Clutch because Clutch, I think, have viewed Bloodstock in the past as potentially too heavy for them, which we've sort of said to them, you know, because not all bands know about the festivals that they get offered on. Yeah, so I always yeah. go back with a, well, hang on, we've had this, 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 and this band, you know, it's not too heavy for you, you guys would be great. And it just never has worked. Yeah. Um, like Body Count, Body Count would be amazing. It's never worked because of the timing. Um, so, and, and, and people ask me about the Stone Sour thing, because we've had, we have rock bands, we've had Europe for Christ's sake. So yeah, yeah. you can put Stone Sour anywhere on that bill, headlining, and as an alternative, you know, when you're having bands like Merciful Fate and some dark black metal bands or, you know, a classic band, and then you're putting, why not? Yeah, why I, not? It, it seems a surprise to me anyway. I mean, I, I mean, it makes the way that I view power metal different from a power metal fan, but it's, I find that music quite soft. Yeah. Well, whether, you're, whether it's something you enjoy listening or not, it's not something if I was clutch, I'd be looking at, any of these, a freedom call or a, you've got a band called Glory Hammer that are playing or Hammerfall, yeah. that wouldn't be looking at them saying, oh my God, I couldn't go on a stage with them because that's too heavy now. I feel that Stone Sour would sit amongst our likes, I don't know, Paradise Lost or Orange Goblin or these guys as well, thinking that you're listening to a, some radio pop band. So I actually, is it a, when the last time we done the podcast, I mentioned the three headliners that I'd love to see. My dream headliners of Bloodstock would be a perfect circle, nine-inch nails, and Deftones. Yeah. I never gave you the opportunity to say what would your three dream headliners, maybe bands you've already booked. What would be if you Vicky Hungerford's three top bands that she can choose? Uh, availability. Oh, yeah. in, that is so uh, cool and unprepared. <laughs> I only <laughs> thought about it right here. <laughs> I know you are, that's so cruel. Um do you know. I don't know because a lot of the bands that we've had, like for example, Partway Drive, um, Partway Drive is one of my favourite bands. So wrongly, and I get with Bloodstock, we have to facilitate the different genres. So we can't have three Partway Drive type bands headlining on three days. Yeah. Because that just wouldn't work. We'd get too much grief. You can only do that with one day. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of the bands, Bar Corn. Um, a lot of the bands we've wanted, we've been lucky enough over the years to get. Um, I couldn't say who my three would be. Without that upset, we're going to go well. So let's say Corn's one. Yeah. What about the headliners? Like, was Slayer something? Is Slayer like that's a perfect band for Bloodstock, but it's not per se the perfect band for Vicky? I mean, I book a lot of bands that are not for Gavin. Know what I mean? Yes. So um, is it I like as a band, um, and, I, and you know, I have no issue saying this. It's one of the, it was one of the most successful bookings we've had in the respect of tickets and fan reaction, and it's Slayer. So we'd been nagged for Slayer for so long, you know, and, and Mike Latronico and, and Pat Dickinson from the management and the tour side of it, they are the nicest people to work with, as are the band. Yeah. Um, Slayer are not my favourite band. 
Um, they're not one of my favourite bands. I think the problem with, not the problem with me, that sounds an awful thing to say. I think I'm from, and this is my, me and my husband argue about this. I grew up in the listening to grunge. That was my era. So yeah. Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, that was me. So my husband was um, Bay Area thrash and nothing else. So he, he doesn't even think grunge existed. He thinks that it just, it's not a thing. Yes. So, you know, my dream bands, if I could have, for example, Pearl Jam, we'd never have them at a festival. They're huge. Yeah. I mean, Pearl Jam will sell, will do their own stadium tour, but, no. uh, but Soundgarden won't. So, no. Uh, is that is that one of those bands that it's manageable, possible, or is not? Yeah, no, no, it is. And I think this is the thing. We have to, as a festival, as we're evolving, I don't want us to just always be recycling headliners because we are at the level, we're not trying to attract 100,000 people. We're trying to attract 20,000. Yeah. So now we've done this thing of, and it's cliche and it's corny, but the festival is the headliner as opposed to X band, even though we have them as headliners you're coming to the event because there's so many bands you want to see you know we don't want to blow all our money on x band yeah so yeah i think it's a, it's a difficult one and there's so many bands that people throw at me and, and when i've mentioned soundgarden on tiktok and instagram the other day and and corn uh, and stone sour and even i mentioned oh, i'd love ugly kid joe on the bill because they're one of my favorite bands yeah the messages i got of oh my god please make that work which was surprising because yeah. you sometimes think you're going to get a lot of hate. But I think people are so receptive to the fact that it's like we had Mr. Big, you know, and whatever way you look at it, they're a great band. They did a great set. It, it fills a gap of what people want. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I said to you before, and I hate to say it, power metal bands don't sell us the tickets. They don't. And because I've got that issue with death metal, like the problem is like in the... Death metal fans are the loudest. You probably get a wee bit of that with power metal fans that yeah. I don't see at all. And death metal fans, like we booked the uh, Incantation to play. And I must have read about eight comments that said, surely Incantation should be headlining Damnation. And like, I get it. I get it. A, a very, a legendary death metal band that probably laid down the roots for all, all these bands to come after them. Yeah. I understand. But the last time we played Glasgow, there was fewer than 100 people. And I'm not saying that to insult the band. I mean, I've just booked them. I believe in the band. But Rolo Tomasi played Glasgow and sold out the same venue. So no one's calling for Rolo Tomasi to headline Damnation. But just because a band's legendary, or because you think they're the best death metal band, they're not going to sell out Damnation. And that's why they are where they are on the poster. And why but they're then, happy to be there. But then we have this with a lot of power metal bands. And obviously I won't name them, but I have agents come to me and say, X power metal band's about to play a sold out 5,000 capacity show in London, or one off. And I'm like, okay. Well, firstly, it hasn't sold out yet, because I know the capacity is <laughs> probably a fifth of what you're telling me. And secondly, so based on that, they're one show that's maybe doing 900 tickets in London. And London is irrelevant because it's London. Yeah. You now think that they can headline a 20,000 capacity. And now they want five times the fee that you, have, you wanted last year. So how has that changed? Yeah. And the problem with a lot of power metal, because they're so big in Europe, in Germany and places like that, and they can headline whack in another major yeah. festival. And I hate to say it, 
it just doesn't sell in the UK. It just doesn't. And it doesn't. You know what, Vicky? You know what's a great leveler and all the nonsense? Anything you and I have got to say that's an opinion, anything that's on Facebook, anything that's on Instagram, Twitter, an agent's point of view, your point of view, what London does, what Glasgow does, ticket sales. Yeah. Tickets, ticket sales are where everyone finds the reality. You know, yeah. There's no... When, Agents go by ticket sales, promoters go by ticket sales, because there's no fudging the numbers. It's yeah. just, if 62 people go to your show, and that's where you're at. 62 yeah. people were willing to go into their pockets and spend their night to come and go to your show. Yeah. And, and I don't understand sometimes why, why you get that with power metal or death metal. Oh, but this death metal band, Belfagor, for example, I've got 300,000 Facebook falls. I'm not a great, and they're a great band. I'm not denying it, but they're not worth twenty grand because they're great. They're big in Poland. Know what I mean, that, like, and I've done that in my two DFS festivals. I, I listened a wee bit too much to the noise. Yeah, but too many of the bands. Don't get me wrong, didn't lose a fortune, but they didn't make money. And I wasn't. I'm not promoting just to sit and lose money. So but, that but was then, my lesson. And after that, I had my I had my go-to answer for every deaf metal fan. It says. Autopsy should headline uh, damnation or devourment should headline damnation. Like, yeah. I tried it, I tried it. Emulation it terribly. <laughs> played the second DFS. We sold 500 tickets. You're trying to tell me they should headline a festival to try to sell 4,000 tickets. Mm-hmm. It's not true. It doesn't matter but how good you think you're. We had Aventasia one year. Yeah, I was uh, there. I was there for that. It was um, horrible. I don't want to answer it. was fucking horrible. And do you know what the worst of it is? They headlined Wacken. So you go, I went down that rabbit hole of, oh, you know, the, the, the argument is they've headlined Wacken, you know, we've all done it, Gav, yep. we've all done Yes. You know, special guests in Bloodstock, you know, the fee was hefty. And it didn't get a good reception. The fans walked away mid-set and, you know, whatever. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I... I'm nothing against the band. It just didn't do it for the festival, whether or not it just didn't sit in the UK. And we found as we got bigger, the power metal bands are still commanding phenomenal money. Like they'll come to me and I'm just like, I mean, you asked me, and it wasn't a power metal band. You asked me what the most expensive band has ever come to me and said, we want this. Well, I had a band come to me and say, we need 1.1 million. I'll have to tell you off record who that was. And the thing is, I got this figure in my head of, oh, about 100 grand, right? So 400 grand, you know, we'll break it word. And you know when someone says it and you go, so what did you say? <laughs> and like, I just, I literally stood there for about four minutes, like open mouth, like, and this was the manager saying, well, this is what they want, you know? And I'm like, Why? Oh man! Well, I know, listen, well, not. I'm never. I've never been keen to press people on any any names of bands because that would not be fair to end when it comes to fees. But are we talking a band, a power metal band that you would have thought were a bona fide headliner for Bloodstock, or were you just really? No, this wasn't. This wasn't. Um, this wasn't a power metal band. Oh, I sorry. Have, right, okay. I have had a power metal band come to me that, in my opinion, is probably worth about. 10,000 10, and that's a good fee and right. they come to me and said we want a hundred and I've gone not here you're not gonna get <laughs> not here but the thing is and then they've never played a festival over here and I'm like well doesn't that Does it not absolutely chew your mind though when a band comes to you and says 
So I'll get a band who come to me and say, look, wait, say it's 10 grand or 20 grand or 30 grand or up to 50 grand. And you're thinking, right, okay, that's clearly not going to work for the slot or what you do here. And then you see them play a tour. And yeah. it, like, let's, let's take the power metal, for example, because we know the, the in Wacken and, and maybe at Hellfest or a grass pop, a Belain or a Freedom Call or a Hammerfall, 50,000 people going absolutely crazy, but they still come yeah. to Glasgow and it's still 300 cap venues. So I know. Is it, does that not like, what, why is the disconnect? What's the disconnect here? I mean, Biffy Clyro are a massive band in the UK, but they accept when they go to America that they're yeah. playing 600 cap venues. They accept that. They're just Scottish yeah. guys who are massive, who can fucking headline download, but they know when they go to America that they're not the band that can headline download. They just accept yeah. it. Why is it when we get these, I get this with thrash music, we, we don't book a lot of thrash because everybody wants headline fees. Yeah. The German bands think they're playing whacking, the American bands think they're playing whatever the fuck's across there. And they come and they say, we want 15 grand. And I'm like, but you just played in Glasgow, you 100 people. I, th I send them, because I, I get so frustrated, I don't even know why I bother. I send them the last tour they did over here, which was probably a year, and I go, yeah, but can, can we just talk about, because all these rooms are like 150 cap. And I'm trying to go in without disrespecting the band, but I'm like, yeah. because these rooms are 150 cap, that's the cap of the room. That doesn't yeah. mean you sold 150 tickets either. Yeah. So you sold 60 in some of these venues. So why are you asking me for 50 grand? <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, that's what we want. Yeah. Well, that's all. I had a headliner that played Bloodstock. This is, this is how frustrating the industry is. They played Bloodstock one year and we paid them... I don't know, I think it was 150,000 or something like that. And then the next year, a couple of years later, I thought, I'll go back to them again, because you know, they were great and all the rest of it, maybe we could look at them again. And they put another 100 grand on the face, they want a quarter of a million. And I went, why? And then the agent just replied, because, they, that's because, just because, don't ask me why. I know, and it makes me do that. And then I have to shut my computer down, put myself into a darkened room, and play some classical music. And remember that life isn't that bad. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, a great link to what I ask about promoters, no promoters, agents and booking agents and managers. When we first spoke, that was the first episode, I kind of knew the kind of things I wanted to get into, but we had a promoter versus promoter kind of bit of chat. And then since, I've done our 18 episodes, and I've had yeah. a lot of that agent stuff, and, and, and the listeners have really, they've enjoyed that, that relationship that, People don't even think about that once you're friendly with an agent, suddenly his roster becomes available to you. I mean, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that incestuous. It should be more of a, what I thought it would be is if you're a bona fide event and you can go to someone else and say, I have the money, I have the experience, yeah. will your band be available? They would be available. The, the truth of the matter is that might happen sometimes, but a lot of it is once you've got relationships, yeah. tend to get their bands and the bands that you don't get are the bands that you can't seem to like open a door with another agency. Even when the bands think they would have an amazing set at Bloodstock or a Damnation. So tell me a bit about your experience with, with booking agents and managers. Um, over the years, <laughs> yeah, over the, over the years, there are, there are certain booking agents and you might be lucky in the respect that you have not had to deal with certain agents. And I'll say that because there are certain older school agents that um, 
one, one sent me an email to say that I was belligerent and he refused to deal with me because basically if you're telling me that he actually turned around and said, well, okay, this is what we want. The fee was ridiculous, but I demand, and that's what he put in the email. I demand that under this band, I tell you, I want another band off my roster and you will book them. So he sent it in that way. And that gets me, you see. Yeah. So I went, no, hang on a minute. This is my festival, not yours. And we're offering X for this band. And I don't want the other band. It certainly wasn't a band that was worth the money or the slot. Yeah. It would have been an opener at best. And he wanted a special guest. And I was like, so that's not going to work. So I also won't be told by anybody who that isn't part of the festival who's playing my event. Yeah. And they just sent me an email back. You are belligerent. Do not darken my doorstep again. It's a problem. And I remember going, and literally within three months, he's going, can I offer you this and this? And you just think, there's a, there's a, um, I used to, in the early days, be quite nervous when I very first started booking bands because I didn't know what I was doing. And I was always like, oh, I'm, I, I told you about the um, agent that sent me an email to say that Bloodstock was like the happy shopper of festivals and... That, no, you never told me that must be a different interview. No, in the early days, <laughs> this made me cry. We're going back to like 10 years or more. And I was booking a headliner and the, the guy was being really nasty to me. And I was very young um, and very naive. And I've not been booking bands for Bloodstock very long. And he basically, I've somewhere got it. I'll send it to you. He sent me this massive email to say how I would never amount to anything. Neither would the festival. And he says, and in the European market, Bloodstock is literally seen as the happy shopper of festivals. And it made me cry, right? And it really shook me to the core. I was like, it like totally, like I laugh about it now because it's clearly very funny, but I totally at the time, it like ruined my confidence because I remember thinking, oh my God, he's probably right. You know, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm guessing it. I'm, fake it till you make it type attitude you know and yeah and and now he's been he hasn't got an agency anymore and he don't think he even works in the industry I'll tell you who it is off record later on I'll tell you who the band was and we've since had the band two or three times since then right and I had a similar I don't don't get wrong I'm a wee bit I suppose with agents, I've always had that me versus them for the very start. But in 2006, maybe, when we were second year, I tried to book the band 80s Matchbox Beeline Disaster. And I remember the agent coming back, I don't know if it was a phone call or an email, and he basically said, oh, that's right, you're the festival that doesn't want to offer any fees. And at that point, <laughs> that point, like, I'd paid for Entombed and I'd paid for Agent Speed on yeah. the 6th. And for me, at that point, paying over a grand for any band was like, yeah. holy shit, this is like rock star territory. So I was like, <laughs> and I was like, well, how did I get that reputation? Like in one year, in one year, it was like, but agents are, agents are sneaky wee bastards, aren't they? And also like, there's Andy, Andy Farrell last week slipped up and said, well, you know what, you pay well. And that's the first time anyone has ever Said yeah, what we're doing now, moving forward. <laughs> it's a bit like, uh, do we? <laughs> I thought, <laughs> right. I thought this whole fucking backwards and forth with agents for all these years was me getting a good deal. And it's only one time there was a band, again, I, I, 
when it comes to fees, and I'm sorry for the listeners that were doing this whole, no name of the bands, but it's no fair to put up when it comes to fees. But the guy came back and he goes, I says, eh, can I book your band? And he goes, I four grand. And I said, oh, never, mate. And he's like, four stages. He said, a thousand. He came back and said, yep, that'll be great. And I went, oh, I've just been done. <laughs> that band clearly yeah. would pay for 500. <laughs> yeah, because that's what they do. And the thing is, and I hate to say, you know, a lot of agents will go, because I do the, well, what do you want? No, you tell me what you're prepared to offer. And then I'll go, oh, 200 quid. Because if you're going to do that, yeah. I'm never going to start. You know, that's how we're going to play. And then they go, well, don't be ridiculous. That band's worth 20,000. It's like, well, you start with. Yeah. So if you've got 10,000 off you 15, exactly. Because the thing is, whatever way you look at it, we are, they want to get as much as they can, and I want to pay as little as I can. Yeah. So it's always going to butt heads, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That, was, uh, that, was, uh, that was funny for that interview last week, because Andy's, Andy's a straight shooter. I mean, he just tells you how it is, but when he, when he said you, you can see the glint in his eye, like, you pay well. He's like, I've had the bloodbath, OPEF. Catatonia fees off you. <laughs> you pay more than other. He's manager, so I bet the agent of those bands is going, Andy, <laughs> what did you say that for? <laughs> right, Gavin, I need to know what you've paid after this. I, I don't know, don't, don't start that. I was, uh, I was quite proud <laughs> in my, my fee reputation until Andy completely took the, completely took the legs away from me. Alright, so, that was, uh, I managers then, what, so you've got the booking agents, how are you when you actually, I don't deal with that many managers, really, to be honest with you. management, we've always had, I've always had this thing of trying to build good relationships, if we can, with management. And the bigger the bands get, it is important for us to keep the relations with the management because I might be looking at five or six or seven bands from that management company. Yeah. So um, I'll go out at least once a year to LA just to say hi, have a work holiday where I'm seeing, because a lot of them are based, unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately there. Yeah. I was supposed to being based in Derby, you know, so I've got to go somewhere nice. Yeah. Um, and it is important. Like, I'm good friends with a lot of management people now, that, and it's sometimes far easier because, not being disrespectful to agents, but agents do agenting. Yeah. So... That if you can get the manager on side and, and propose a good idea to the manager and say, look, this is what we want to do. A bit like Andy, you know, Andy's a great guy. He knows the best interest for his artists. When I was trying to sort the wild hearts out, I was going straight to Andy because I had this slot come available at Bloodstock and it was, and he got it sorted so quickly right. because you're going direct to management sometimes. And it's not bypassing an agent, but I do think the relationship with management is important. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's definitely been for it for the folk listening. I've been like, oh, that was an eye opener. That was an eye opener. There's um, there's been a lot of eye opening stuff for me and and uh, this yeah. these nineteen twenty episodes. There's been there's been the, the realization that damnation probably matters a wee bit more than I thought it did. And I was I don't how you would think otherwise because you're like a massive player in this industry, and I sometimes think that maybe you just underplay it. In yeah, your mind. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a wee bit, I've got, I've got, um, because I'm not, I don't lack confidence as such, but I've got a, I, I hate, I hate, you know the biggest pricks in the world are the ones that tell you how important they are. I mean, like, everybody hates that person that tells you, you how important they are. Do you know who I am? <laughs> do you know who I am? I, I think that, I think that just with my background, I'm the, I, I'm the opposite of that for whatever reason, and sometimes, 
you're doing yourself a disservice when you just don't think you're part of it. When you talk to bands and agents and managers, which I've done for the first time really in this podcast, they're like, no, Damnation does have its place. It's not download, it's not Bloodstock, but it has its place in, on the calendar. And there was that, and then there was a realisation of the importance of the relationships with managers. And yeah. what you need, we, and also, I mean, I, my, I'm, I've been bad for not going to meet Andy. Right, having full festivals and never saying hello to a manager or a band or a booking agent, you know, because I'm about like, these guys are all the enemy and they're just going to make but my then, day, then day I, I agree with that because it wasn't until about six years ago that I started thinking, do you know what, I probably need to make more of an effort. So I've gone years doing what you're doing. Like, well, A, they won't really want to speak to me about anything and they, they've got the band on the bill, the band's playing, I don't really need to be doing that. And then it was only about five or six years ago, my husband was pushing me, says, you really need to make more of an effort yeah. with your managers and when they're at the festival. Because a lot of these people as well, like at the event, we'd have people flying in from all over. Yeah. Just to see X band play because they were the manager. Yeah. So I've sort of tried to make sure I keep those, even if it's an odd call, an odd email, if you're about go and see them at another show. Because what I do tend to do now, if there's other shows in the UK, I'll find out if managers are going yeah and if they are i'll and it's within you know i can get there i'll go because that way at least i can show face say hi and it, it it's a nice thing i suppose and, and it matters it matters well look yeah. in the space of in the space of 20 episodes of this like i've there's there's stuff happening behind the scenes with damnation now like there's, I'm getting sent records of bands. There's people inviting me to festivals. I mean, the festival yeah. Portugal invited me the other day to come across with it. Like, there's, it clearly matters. Like, oh, having that, rather yeah. than just being like, oh, you know what, we, we do our event and we do it well and we sell out and it's great. We go down there, we have a piss up for a day and then we go back to our real lives then move, like, just roll over to the next year. So there's definitely, there's, a, there's been a learning curve for me just in doing this about the importance of having relationships with guys like, well, guys like yourself, guys like Andy Farrell, guys like the fucking tour managers and agents we've had on. It's been, it's been really good. But the thing is, I think, and, and I hate to say it, we as a festival were quite insular in the way we thought about things. So a bit like you, we kind of thought, well, we're just this small little family business that really doesn't have an effect. We only happen once a year. So we haven't got much else to be shouting about or talking about and, we kind of like played, like I agree with what you're saying about the important side of it. I suppose we played down the importance of well, no one's going to really care. And then it was when I started going to certain events, sometimes the industry events, just once a year that would happen, like the ILMC or whatever. I'd be like, this is really important. This little bit of networking, as much as it's not my bag, because it's out of my comfort zone. Yep. It's worth doing. And I remember going to um, a management company in America, and they actually turned around and said you are one of the only festivals in Europe that's even bothered to come into our offices. And I kind of, at the time, felt really like, oh, you know. And he said, it just makes a difference. He said, you know, you're dealing with us all the time on email. Yeah. To meet you and to have a sit down. Because you know what it's like? Email's impersonal. And, and yeah. sometimes I can, I can deal with somebody, never ever speak to them on the phone because everything's done by email. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's absolutely... That, you know, those relationships like me quite nicely to the next question because what annoyed me or as a fan taking damnation or any sort of experienced industry is relationships that 
management and booking agencies I've got with promoters, i.e. Kilimanjaro and Live Nation. So you go you go to download for 20 years and never see Nine Inch Nails. But mm-hmm. Sonosphere would be kicking about for three years and Nine Inch Nails would suddenly show up. Now, I understand it's because there's a lot of <coughs> contracts in place and, and promoters that are working with certain management and booking agents and that's these bands are showing up at these events rather than the other event. Now that's fine for those events, but how does that impact Bloodstock where there isn't that touring industry round about it? Do you have bands that will not play Bloodstock because they're pretty much exclusive to uh, a Kilimanjaro or Live Nation? Yeah, I mean, uh, and I've had to have conversations around copying. So, for example, I'll have booked a band and then find out, as soon as I've booked them, I'll have a confirmation date. And then it will be like, oh, the agent will come back and say, unfortunately, they've just announced a tour with Live Nation that will be happening after your festival. But they want to announce the tour first and it's now an embargo on your announcement. Right. Now, this is where relationships come into it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's then me going to Andy and saying, look, Andy, I do need to announce this because they're our headliner. And, and it's the cohesion then between Andy and me. Um, because the industry is such that agents, managers, and, and people like that play each other off against each other. Yeah. So, you know, playing a festival against another festival is the, is the way of the world, worldwide. It's far better than if I can go to you, if someone says Damnation says this, I'll go to you and say, Gav, have you said this or can we do this? Yeah. Now, sometimes you'll go to me, well, I did say that, and we can't do that. And other times you'll say to me, no one's even mentioned it to me, though. Yeah. And I've had that a lot. So I'll go to bigger events. And, and it is all about relationships. And, and the difficulty is, Bloodstock is a small cog in the wheel compared to the mighty AEG and Live Nations of the world. So an agent's never going to take priority of what I'm saying if that band's got a massive tour announcement or a potential download booking. Yeah. And I get that because we're not as big, but at the same time, I have to dig my heels in and say, well, I'm not undervaluing my event. You know, this is what you're being offered. If you're going to, you know, push it aside and say, well, actually, you know, bloodstocks are sort of like maybe next year or whatever. Yeah. You've got to have that self-worth of your own event. Some things work, you know, I've had things with Andy where we've had conversations and it's worked out and we've sorted out between us. Then we'll go to, um, the agent and say we've had a conversation this is what we're, we're both happy to agree on yeah you know and that's why the relationship side's important yeah but you haven't had a situation where the the band's just been excluded entirely like that band is not available to bloodstock because oh, of it yeah 100 percent. because they've got x thing happening they cannot do um embargoes we come up against all the time and i think the pandemic, in my opinion, could potentially make this worse because as soon as touring starts again, I think it's going to start with such a vengeance. There'll be so many tours and, and gigs and events and festivals potentially popping it's gonna, up. It's going to be a bun fight. It's it is, a- yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, as much as we're laughing now, you and I know that this isn't going to be like, it's like, hang on, where did that festival spring up from? <laughs> 50 grand for Napalm Death. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the thing. So I'm ready for it. I've got got my armour on, ready. (laughs) Ready. (laughs) Little cash moves, everything around me. (laughs) Cheap strippers on a pole, come on. (laughs) Come at me, Rage and Speed on, I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah, 
honestly. So that's how I'm sort of thinking that things are going to happen. And there's going to be all sorts of exclusives and embargoes. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just the skeptic in me. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it makes even if there's not a whole new bunch of events that pop up, if, that, if, if the demand's there, everything's going to go up. Because yeah. if any of these bands, I know I'm chucking names in, but that could be Svalbard, it could be Akercock, it could be MD. They say, look, if we can put our own event on here and do 500 tickets suddenly and a venue we could do 100 before, then why, why wouldn't we charge more? This is, this is our one window where we're in the highest premium because you can't go to Europe or America or anywhere else and say... No, and also people, people are musically starved. Like, this has never happened in our lifetime that you have been not been able to go to an event or a gig or a festival. This yeah. is like never before seen territory. So to me, I think bands, also bands haven't earned any money. Yeah. Literally bands yeah. that probably don't earn a lot anyway, have been, been earning nothing. So you can't blame them in the one respect for wanting to tour the hell out of it. Everybody's um, going to get paid kind of worth it. Another great sort of meet in the middle is, is promoters and agents and the rest of the nonsense. You kind of get paid what you're worth and you're right. Sometimes, sometimes it's the promoter wins, sometimes the, the band what? wins when that, when that huge crowd doesn't show up. But you kind of get generally what you're worth and that's why. And if you don't, then you and I don't exist. We've already yeah. lost our money 15 years ago and we're away back to QuickFit or whatever we're going to work. You know what I mean? Because you're like, <laughs> that's it. QuickFit's getting a wrong deal on this one. <laughs> for QuickFit. Nothing against QuickFit. Uh, yeah, we like QuickFit. There's nothing, nothing quicker than a QuickFit fitter, by the way. <laughs> so, we're, uh, we work in a... There's an overlap with a Damnation Festival and a, and a Bloodstock in terms of... The bands that you and I are both book, uh, Devon Townsend, uh, Creator and Opeth. But then there's a there's a leap to the Bloodstock headliner, your Alice Cooper's, Slayers, um, Rob Zombies, where you're a whole new level. Um, so tell me a wee bit about the, this sort of fun question time. Tell me about some outrageous rider requests that aren't blowjobs uh, or what you've had to do. Oh, I feel like... The, I feel like I feel like the blowjob's getting a hard time. <laughs> I feel like the blowjob one's so good. Um, we've had, what have we had? We've had, oh, feng shui dressing room completely, otherwise the band member cannot enter the room. Right, okay. And the thing was, I had to go into a book with the artist liaison girls and be like, okay, I don't know enough about feng shui <laughs> to ensure that mirrors have to face a certain way and things have to be burning and little frogs with little coins have to be facing the right way. That was interesting. Yeah, I can we imagine. Fans requesting um, cubed ice swimming in water, but the ice must be cubed. I mean, you sometimes think... They're just taking the piss. They're just taking the piss. But, and I do sort of say to the management when they come on site, you know, is this, is, and it's like, no, 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 this is the case, you know, or all white drapes in the room must have lilies on a vase and white drapes as they come in. And, and then, you know, then you get the production managers who've had five months to advance the show. Yeah. And they decide the night before, so we had a Sunday headliner, the production manager came in at 10 o'clock on the Saturday night when the festival was obviously mid going and said, uh, yeah, our headliner now wants uh, these toilets. I'm like, the site's been built. I now can't get cranes and things in the middle of an active festival. 
Yeah. Yeah, but he wants he wants this. I'm like, but you've had five months to advance this, and you're telling me the day before. Yeah. And, and what it, happens in a situation like that? It's just not possible. Just well, the, the request was they wanted an exclusive um, toilets, showers for their compound because we have like artist artist compounds. So we had to then put um, barrier fencing and split the. I mean, it was a headache, but it frustrates me because it's like, well. You know, you've had five months to advance a show and you didn't tell us something as critical as that. Yeah. At what stage do you need an artist compound? At what, sta at what stage does it become that your artist is so big that they can't be well other artists? Main stage. Mate, so, I, but I mean, like, just your headliner, one of these ones where, because you hear that about like a Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Leeds are Red, whatever, but they've got a full bit, that's, or Kings of Leon, where it's just their own sectioned off, no one else in the world can be there but Kings of Leon and crew. Do, do you have headliners that yeah. request that? Yeah. We had uh, it with Slayer, we had it with the Scorpions, we had it with Priest. Most of the headliners now request their own compound. So their compound will be like, no. So their comp and the thing is, this is the other thing. So you've got your artist area, because obviously no one gets to see this. So you've got your artist dressing rooms in each cabin. It's all, I mean, we literally carpet them, sofas in them. They're beautiful. They've got mirrors. They're all draped. They're, they are gorgeous. Yep. And that's for all bands, not just the headliners. Yep. And then the compound has like four cabins. So it's a private compound with, with all fencing, Harris fencing. And then they don't want their compound to be viewed. So we even have to put material over the Harris fencing right. so no one can even see into their compound. It, it becomes that whole, and then they have their own security guard on their compound entrance so no one can walk into that area. And, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, I get it. I, I do get it. You know, do you need five cabins yourself? Do you need your own area with your own picnic table and What's, what's the what's the one what's the the big one the one where it's been that have you how many cabins you've needed how many has there been a case where there's just not this amount of square footage behind oh oh yeah we've had ridiculous requests i mean we've had not only compound requests we had um a headliner request that they wanted um sweets with um hot tubs and jacuzzis and all sorts of things and we were like you're in burton i can assure you <laughs> There are no hotels within anywhere in Staffordshire that are after what you're looking for. And then we had one band, which really pissed me off, Headliner again, that requested their own, um, so they've got their own compound, which is fine, but then they wanted like an entertaining area. So we set up a backstage area yep. with a bar, with somebody, you know, serving drinks, with tables and stools and all sorts of things, fully um, manned, the entire time they were there, they never used it. <laughs> and we'd set up, I know, this is the thing. We'd set up so much stuff and they had this, so it ended up like, I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to go to the bar, you know, because they're not using it. And it was like a private bar. It was me sat on my own thinking, and this, this poor guy who's been stood there as the barman with not one person in there. And you just think they're asking for it because yeah. they can. Yeah, that, that, that's the truth. That is the absolute truth. Again, back down to my level of reality where that doesn't happen. But just the riders sometimes, you're like, okay, okay, we're going we're gonna to swallow this one. We're going to put 
the five bolts of fucking Grey Goose in, or we're going to do that X, Y, and Z, and they leave. And it's not the bands that fly in. Sometimes you get the band that they, they show up and they play Damnation, like, oh, Jesus, two and a half thousand people at the main stage, and this is incredible, and they, they milk every second. Sometimes you just get the bigger bands that that's kind of their existence. They've done Bloodstock, Whacking, yeah. Grass Pop, Hellfest, Ozfest. You come to Damnation and they've asked for kind of the same things, and you put it all there. And they've showed up 10 minutes before the, the artists themselves, like a crew have been there all day, making sure everything's ready. If they come in, they do their show, leave. And the dressing room's almost exactly as they... <laughs> it's like nothing's been touched. Not an apple. Not, yeah. not, a, bo- not a bottle of vodka. Not nothing. Like, we fucking... It's wasteful. Because of like... Well, you, I mean, I get it. Like, we've had... I mean, the nicest bands, Gajira, Trivium... Um, Partway Drive, where they come in and they're like, oh no, is there any way we can just maybe, is it okay if we have like a plate of sandwiches? And they're the sweetest people. I'm like, of course you can. Do you yeah. want anything else? No, no, maybe a bag of crisps. And I'm like, oh, I could cuddle you. And there are so many bands like that, that headline or special guest or a high up, and they just don't want to put you out. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the other, and it's wasteful because, I mean, we've got, every time a band goes out of a dressing room, they are completely cleaned the dressing rooms are restocked with that band the headliner compounds as well the headliners have them all day so your headliners never get anybody else in those dressing rooms that that compound is then is there for them all day um and it is and you know we've got four five six cabins depending on the headliner for one band expensive expensive as well I mean, yeah, even, of course it is, yeah. Even just try to find enough restrooms. We could have, that's the one thing about being indoors. You can have that sense of luxury and it, for a dressing room because it's already pre-planned, but trying to get that stuff into basically build a wee village behind your, behind your main I'm stage. Sure, but then I always liken it to this. I went, uh, my husband does freight, and this is completely off topic, but this always makes me laugh. I went to a Drake concert at Birmingham Arena and I was invited backstage. It's not, obviously, you know, it's not my world. This is the blowjobs again, Vicky. No, 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 this is me. <laughs> so Birmingham Arena, Drake wants everything to look like his house. Now you've got to try and facilitate this. So you go into one room, they've carpeted drapes, chandeliers, sofas. He's got a barman on tap. He's got a gym in the other room that's full. And all this equip, this entire stuff backstage stuff has to go from one arena to the next on a uk and i walked in and i sort of said to i I mean literally it made every every headliner we've had put together look like (laughs) nothing and i'm just walking in and they've got it's like more money than cents and they they might as well have walked out of some white tigers on gold chain because it was that ridiculous and it kind of like even now every time a headline i'm like look it's not drake right <laughs> it's not that level <laughs> it's not drake i just i'm lucky enough to have a, a small gym at home uh, like yourself and i just get it painted and she's trying to move the stuff into the middle of the room yeah. so the painter could paint and like yeah what, building a gym every day in a yeah. venue <laughs> and I was just thinking, these poor people have to move. And it's not just that. Like, I walked in one room, and, you you know, it's an arena, so all the rooms are, like, very clinical, aren't they, backstage? Yeah. it's an arena. Yeah. I actually thought I was in a penthouse apartment. They'd got drapes and up-lighting and chandeliers and 
beautiful like silk rugs and leather sofas. I've never seen anything like it. And I was right. like, he's only in it for maybe not even. I mean, the one guy said he doesn't even come in this room. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you're the guy in the crew that built the room that you never came. <laughs> what? You know, a shirt, a guy with like a bow tie and a diamante jacket. He's the barman. I'm like, this is how the other. So this is this right, is, this is how the other I, half look. I, I can sit and complain about my five packs of smoked salmon in the fridge, and you can complain about your five cabins. But it's not Drake and he's Jimmy. Not, just <laughs> always think moving forward, it's not Drake. It's not Drake. It's not Drake. When I was um. When I said to the folk in the Damnation sort of fan forum on Facebook that I was having you back on, I said, well, you know what? It's a one-off, so chat with Vicky. Let's say, uh, do you guys want to ask her some questions too? Which some of them did offer up some questions for you. Oh, no. Oh, before I get to that, because I still want to know about ridiculous band things, biggest guest list. We, Damnation, oh. I think was 50, which is not possible at Damnation because <laughs> 50 tickets is like a fucking half a room. So we well, we had eighty, and then they wanted twenty-four parking spaces. Uh, and it wasn't. And I, again, I can tell you who it was. It was a band, like a mid-card band. It wasn't even a headliner. I did for Andy Coppin one year, which always makes me smile. I gave him his own parking space, and I put leopard print and pink, and then Andy and I literally made it all diamante for him. I've got a photo of that somewhere, but he didn't request that. <laughs> That's that again. Good, good relationship, Vicky. I'm learning. I'm learning. I showed him. You see, <laughs> bit of leopard print doesn't goes a long way. It, I bet it does. So, it, 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 what, you know what? I thought you were going to say something ridiculous, like two hundred guests. No, but no, no, probably. Um, we had eighty, and then and then they wanted like twenty car parking spaces. And like again, that. again, what you say about what they don't use? Like, see the band that asked for fifty guest tickets for Damnation, and I said, "Listen, guys, let's go. Let's go with ten. I mean, they'll use seven. You know, yeah. it's like it's just sometimes it's just that here's what we've had it whacking. Or it's so this is. What, but then they don't scale it down to the fact that, well, I'm not a hundred thousand capacity yeah. festival. Yeah. And also you're potentially, you know, different position on the bill, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we do have a set main stage amount of tickets you can have per band. Yeah. So a band would normally get um, a maximum of, depending on the size of the band, 10 guests for right. the main stage. And then if they are mid to high end on the Sophie stage, they'll get maximum of, of three or four to five guests. Right. Right. That, that's, that, that makes sense. It makes sense as well. So I right, good. So I sorry. I just because I noticed that I hadn't asked about the guest ticket. So the these unfortunately miserable bastards were online. So when yeah, when I asked the questions, I was like, I was, oh, expect, I was expecting some fun, and it was pure Brexit miseries. Oh god! <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I knew this was coming. So Brexit. Like, here's my here's my taking Brexit. Uh, it's a shit show. But whatever it throws it is, uh, we'll deal with it. If it's an extra tax here, if it takes an extra visa here, it's really going to damage the prospects for very small bands that are on fees are only two, three hundred pounds. Yeah. It's not going to make much difference to the bands that fees are thirty thousand pounds. But yeah. ultimately, in the short term, damnation is going to swallow it, and yeah. we'll, then we'll figure it out. So it's not going to be the reason that damnation stops happening. So what's no. your what's your take on Brexit? Yeah. It's not for bloodstock either. I mean, we're looking at it the same way you are. Um, bands might need more carnets, which is paperwork when they're coming in and out 
of one country to another. So they might need a car name for every time they, they go in and out of wherever, which is, is not something that's necessarily going to affect us. There's potentially going to be more paperwork, but whatever it throws at us, you know, these bands aren't going to stop touring and, and coming over to the UK. They're just not. You yeah. know, the UK is such a big scene for bands. So I've had people say, well, you know, what happens if American bands or European bands don't want to come to the UK? Well, they will. Yeah. You know, and, and whatever's thrown at us, we'll deal with it. Yeah. And as, um, I mean, as, after as a band- Brexit seems... <laughs> yeah, like Brexit makes it <laughs> fucking Corona. Corona virus is absolutely destroying the scene. Brexit sounds like a welcome fucking reprieve. <laughs> you know the worst it was, right? I hated Brexit before the pandemic. Now I welcome it because <laughs> Brexit is talking about bands and what paperwork they need. Right now we haven't got events because well, of the pandemic so you know of course of course i so yeah I, I the same sort of view as myself you know what it probably will make things a wee bit more difficult may make things a wee bit more expensive if that expense gets spread across any sort of audience it might be an extra pound on a ticket or whatever yeah. it needs to be that's something we're gonna have to well we're having a democracy that's what happened and that's what promoters are gonna have to live with and that's what live music fans are gonna have to live with also so and that's that one someone asked about a restricted bloodstock if government allowed but i feel like i feel like you've addressed yeah i mean we will address it and yeah and if it happens it happens like that like we don't know uh, yeah. but yes we will look at that option yeah yeah and then someone also asked if and this is not a negative podcast and i'm not a negative guy but if if it gets postponed one more time, are you of the opinion of some festivals let's like, roll over one more time with these bands, or are you like it's time to time to start again? Twenty twenty two. No, I mean I, I I've been asked this a lot, and I'll I'll voice something else that I'm asked a lot about, which I think is a concern for the public, uh, understandably, but it's not for us. If God forbid we had to postpone again, and I am saying God forbid because. I really hope this doesn't happen. Yeah. I would look to, again, roll the lineup over. Again, I mean, amazingly, most of the bands rolled over. Um, we have had bands approach us to say, which has been great, should your government not allow us to happen this year? So bands have actually come to us, particularly high-up bands. Just so you know, we would be happy to roll over to 22. So that that's already been cleared up if you like yeah um, which i thought was lovely that bands have even gone there because yep. they know that we're all in the same situation at the moment now if that happens that happens i would look to roll over and potentially if we can't get certain bands we replace them i mean i've got to the point now where whatever is thrown at us we can deal with because yep. we have no choice um the other thing that people are asking me at the moment is well if the festival had to postpone and roll over can you financially survive yeah. And it's a fair question because fans are, you know, it's, and a I've bit, been... it's a better question than this guy came up with. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the answer to that is yes. Yeah. We have been very, um, not smart, we've been very careful over the years. So, should the worst happen and we have to postpone, we can survive it. And yeah. I know that that's being asked a lot of us because a lot of other independent festivals in other sectors folk festivals and small pop festivals and whatever have put out there that if they had to postpone again, they couldn't survive. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, you and I both know, I mean, it's a horrendous thought for 
other events. I mean, one of the stats was about 80% of independence festivals could not survive another postponement. Yeah. You know, that's terrifying. That, that's festivals across the board, not metal festivals. That's yeah. just like... And also, there's, there's, I've made this point, and I, I try not to repeat myself too often in these podcasts for the poor bastards I've listened to all 20. But <laughs> you've got... You've got a... There's a full mechanism of tour managers, bus drivers, sound engineers, two years for these guys is not going to work. They're going to find something else. And once you've found something else in that security and not being stung, are you going to come back? Are you going to say, I'm going to go and drive the bus again once you've got your job? Let's say QuickFit seem to be the heroes of the day. You've got your job at QuickFit, you're paid, you're looking after your family, your mortgage is getting paid. Do you really want to take that chance again and dive into a bus to become a sound engineer to do whatever it is you need to do? And I'm not being flippant about this. And it's like when these guys go, is is the bun is the bun fight now about no the bands, the big bands of my survivor, the bloodstocks or the damnations of my survivor is like is the bun fight now just getting the people that are qualified to put on the same shows that we've been able to do for the last. That is going to be the bigger issue. We've talked about this in-house with regards to crew for bands. You know, no one can, I mean, no one's been able to survive this long financially. And the problem with the crew is a lot of these people are self-employed. They don't work for X company. They couldn't qualify for furlough schemes. So they've been left high and dry. So agreed, if they've now gone and got another job doing whatever that gives them security the industry is going to gradually come back. They're not going to suddenly get this massive tour again that's going to pay them what they're used to being paid. Yeah. Uh, and I know, I mean, I know big tour managers, big, uh, working for huge bands that a couple of them have gone to do things like become estate agents. And, and they're like, it's totally out of my comfort zone, but I've got to provide for my family. Of course, of course. It's, I mean, I feel, I always feel a bit of a fraud when I talk about these situations because I'm not in it. I mean, because it's... Yeah. So... But I understand it because I can see because I know so many people that are in it that are yeah. in that exact position. I mean, Tom Begley again, we'll go back to him. He's like, he's cooking, he, he's fucking, yeah. it seems like a fantastic chef by all accounts. So, but he's gonna hopefully go back to being a tour manager for At the Gates or Converge or whoever and and playing in Bosque and, and his career will hopefully pick back up where it left off. But what if you're no Tom Begley? What if you're a, yeah. what if you need to just provide for kids and a wife and or your wife needs to also what if all you've ever known is I mean I, I've got tour managers and people like that work in the industry that they don't know anything else. So for them to necessarily go and get something else, when everyone's looking for jobs at the moment as well, firstly is tough, but they that it's just a different world. Yeah. And I've seen so many people, I mean, this, I don't know, it's, it sounds dramatic, because people look at the music industry, we'll just go and get another job. And I hate that, because I think it's not a job, it's a way of life for, for the majority of people. Yeah. You know, it, it's, and that's why I hate the, the way it's belittled with it. Well, the music industry, you know, I see posts that people put out, how um, promoters and festivals and gigs, they're all being selfish, wanting to come back. You know, it's only music. And that pisses me off, because I'm like... It's livelihoods, it's, it's mental health, it's venues, it's everybody that works in this industry, it's all the companies that supply to us, you know. And we've had to, you know, because a lot of the companies that we use to supply bloodstock for our infrastructure are independent suppliers. Yeah. So a lot of them have actually come to us to say, just so you know, 
you know, your event's going ahead this year, we can facilitate it still. We haven't gone under, you yeah. know, and the fact that they've even had to do that is insane. And depressing. And yeah. And also, listen, however many people listen to this podcast or watch this podcast, no one will agree with the saying it's only music. <laughs> no, and, and, and that winds me. I mean, I just, I remember someone commented, I'd commented on something and someone was like, you know, you lot are being selfish, nagging for music to come back when people are dying. And I'm like, no, it's not us nagging for music. It's the industry has had no support. I said there's, there's 240,000 people in the, that work in the music industry that are jobless in the UK alone. That's not worldwide. Yeah. You know, it's one of the, it's one of the most, from a, from a financial point of view, it, the income it brings into the UK alone is phenomenal. Yeah. And it's now, and, it, and we were the first to go and we're the last to come back. Yeah. You know, look at some of the funding. I don't like it because I don't want. I'm not the kind of guy that looks at someone else and says, "Oh, you got that. We deserve it." Even you see our industry, our the metal, extreme metal, power metal, fucking the the numbers that it brings. And you do that to your your art gallery, or you do that to your folk festival, or whatever. I mean, there is, these folk festivals. They're not bloodstock. I mean, I was talking, I had Joe Quayle on the podcast, we'll talk about classical music, but where's the classical music's damnation? Where's mm -hmm. the three, four thousand fans that show up in Leeds for the classical? No, they don't. They don't. They, it's a big fancy event in London. And all the money's getting channeled back through these types of events and schemes yeah. and programmes where everything's very upper class and the money's there. But it's not, the footfalls, the footfall, come back to that agents yeah. and where you find that level of, how many tickets do you sell? Right. Yeah. Stop all the bullshit. How many tickets do you sell? Do you sell 20,000 tickets? Do you sell 4,000 tickets? Or do you sell 260 to people yeah. sitting down in fancy suits? And it's, yeah. you, can see why, you can see why people get frustrated and, yeah. and why I'm getting frustrated. And what's otherwise been a very positive podcast. <laughs> yeah, but we've been very positive. Yeah, but the thing is, you know that people are going to expect us to talk about some of the horrible stuff, you know? And, and because you, like me, maybe you not as much at the moment, but people are nagging me constantly. It's supposed to start happening. It's supposed to start happening. It's supposed to start happening. What's happening? It's supposed to start happening. And Glastonbury kept going. Yeah, it made it worse. It would. I mean, yeah. But at the same time, they start their build at the end of Feb, beginning of March. Because they're so big. They're like 250,000 people. So they're on a scale that's so phenomenally huge that, look, you know, that was inevitable in my eyes. Yeah. But I look at it that events later in the year but th but then what obviously happened with that is it creates this snowball event of everyone going well you've got to be cancelling then i mean if i put anything on instagram now or tiktok i guarantee i get at least four or five posts a day where people are going when are you going to cancel them yeah. so when are you canceling yeah which is it which is tiring in itself i mean just that dragging it because you're, you're, there's you're making no money and i'm making no money from yeah. Pretending the events can happen. The tickets seems well. They're either getting funded or rolled over. Yeah. Like you're, you're not getting richer. I'm not getting richer by pretending a damnation of bloodstock is going to happen this year. You know, you're just we're just hoping. We're just well, hoping. this was the thing last year because people were going. You know, they didn't tell us because they wanted to take our money. Well, no, because no one's buying tickets because no one thought the festivals were going to happen. And we, and the problem is we couldn't cancel it earlier than we cancelled it or postponed it because 
we had to follow all the guidelines. We had to wait until we hundred and the second we knew that we couldn't go ahead, yeah. it was postponed. And you were given the option of rolling over or getting your money back. Yeah. So we're not sitting on, you know, like you say, it, it's not we're not doing the postponement or, or cancelling an event as late as we physically can because there's a financial benefit to us. We're doing it because we're trying to make sure that is that the last resort are there any ways we can make this event happen you know and obviously last year i mean when it all kicked off last year in march i was like oh by mail it'll be over and i was all i kept saying to people was, do you remember ebola it's same as that swine yeah. flu no different <laughs> how very wrong how exactly listen Let's say, uh, you said the last time I had you in the podcast, I asked you for an exclusive. You said that a uh, uh, sort of sandbagged you a wee bit, it was a surprise. And if I'd given you notice, you'd give me something. I did give you notice. So have you got anything for us? I don't know. Now, this was the thing, right? I spoke to my husband about this. I went, have we got any exclusives that, like, Gap could be made aware of? And he went, well, no, not really, because we've not been doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, in a way... Talking to you about the timeline of postponements, because yeah. people have nagged me and I've not, we've not made it public about what our plans are. And me talking to you as well about potentially if things had to change, we have got these backup plans. No one knows that. No one knows we've got three or four potential ideas in place, ready to go, should we still be able to have an event, but not in the shape that it is now. Yeah, that's I mean, my exclusive. That's my Nobody knows that. I've not spoken about it. It's nowhere. It is, and I said to my sister, I had to ring Rachel because she's very politically correct. I said, I'm going to talk to Gav about this and I'm going to tell him that we've not discussed this with anybody. And she's like, that's fine. And she says, I like Gav. Gav's good at the way he does things. So there you go. Rachel. And Rachel says no to everything. Rachel. God bless <laughs> you. God bless so you. You'll make a blush. You'll make a blush. Vicky, Vicky, this has been great. You are solely responsible for a damnation season three happening because you got to know because now I'm going to get some people to do it with you that potentially you might not like. Right, that okay, might, listen, we might challenge you, Gav. Fuck, I hope so. Bring them on. Bring these motherfuckers on. Honestly, God, I'm like you in like a fucking outfit with like gloves, gum shield. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> somebody joked, somebody said to me, because I'm not, it's not that I was ever shitting in Temples Festival, but Temples Festival, when it came out, it kind of, there was a there was a real arrogance that like, Damnation never existed. It wasn't yeah. like Damnation had already been gone for 13 years. Temples was the first event that ever came. And somebody said, why don't you ever get the guy for Temples? I'd fucking love to speak to the guy for Temples. If, if, the thing is, why would you not? How good would it be? And exactly. I, I just think... The industry is so small that it shouldn't be like that. Right? At the well, end of the day, it doesn't need to be. But what? No, it doesn't. What I think, well, what I was looking for, especially with booking agents, like here's my view, here's my view, here's my view. I'm like, see if there's a booking agent out there that wants to say, here's why you're wrong. Well, that makes good. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, I can find them for you. <laughs> we don't I can find them. We don't. And I think, I think everybody will agree with me on this. I have honestly, I because I don't always get like the full hour and a half to watch them in blocks. So what I'll do is I'll watch like 20 minutes in the morning when I'm getting ready and then I'll come back and I'm having a bath and I'll watch another 20 minutes and they are brilliant. And, and it's enlightened me in so many ways on so many different things. And I just stop now. I think 
would be a crying shame. Yeah, and listen, to everyone listening who does enjoy them as well, it's not because I don't have the time or I think that, I'm, that my time's too valuable, but I enjoy them, but I'm not going to do... I'm not going to do them with no one to do them with. You know what oh, I mean? Don't you worry. Don't you worry. So I've got, I've got your yeah, did you used to be a drummer in that band? Any, any, any chance you can talk to me about drumming? No, 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 no. I think we should just try and up the ante a little bit. Okay, we should try and get some people on here. Bring them but, all on. Bring them all on. Let's well, do it. You're so good at it. And you, and, you, and you tend to bring out, the, I think you bring out the best in people. And I'm not just saying that. I do generally think you also bring out people to be honest. Because it's a bit like a safe place here. I feel like we're not talking to all these people that might potentially listen to this and still say that I'm going to replace Bring Me the Horizon <laughs> which is going to be the next thing. And also, you know, I'm that horrible tabloid journalist that the, the, the bit is going, going to hate us. is going to be Bring Me the Horizon to replace Merciful Fate. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to edit cleverly this little clip. It's a dog eat dog world out there, okay? <laughs> I have absolutely loved this. Thank you for coming back on. Honestly, Thank I always feel like we don't get all of it out. Listen, go tell me, is there anything you want to add? Is there anything oh, you want to add? No, what happens is I come off here and I'm like, oh, I should have said that to him. I should have. <laughs> but you know what? We have fun. And if it's there's plenty in there. How, how, many, how many times have you been interviewed? 200, oh. 300, 500. Yeah, but you know what? I have this, right? And I'm not saying this because it's you. This is so much fun because we talk about, every time you get an interview, you probably get it as well. Interview is actually the same stuff. The same stuff. And literally, I could just print off a sheet and go, here you go, that was on my last interview. Just use the same questions. Yeah. And it's fun because we're talking about stuff that maybe we shouldn't be talking about, but hey. I, I never feel like, in genuine, I'm being, I'm being, I really appreciate everything you've said. It means a lot that, that you've enjoyed the, the podcast and supported it and came back on again. But I, don't, I never feel like I, I cross that line with anyone that I'm trying no. to put them in a bad spot or I'm trying to try to get something at the other side of it that they don't feel that they, that they got yeah. value from it too. So I, no, I appreciate that. There's, I, when you're saying about stuff that maybe we shouldn't talk about, well, maybe... Maybe we should. Maybe the maybe that sometimes with the fans, the, there's a bit more understanding of the Parkway Drive booking. There's a bit more understanding of why that band never showed up at that festival, yeah. or, or why you yeah. can't always. The promoters aren't just sitting ignoring you when you're saying get that band like autopsy headline damnation. Well, the reason that autopsy don't headline damnation is I don't believe that that will sell the tickets need to be sold that year. It's not because I don't believe autopsy are in a fantastic band, and that's yeah. what this podcast is, is morphed isn't it? But that's the brutal, it's the honest truth if nothing, that you know, it's not a case of we're ignoring, I'm ignoring what you're saying on X band, it's that band unfortunately, as much as it could be your favourite band, if they're only doing 50 tickets in Wakefield or 100 tickets in London they're not going to be where no. you want them to build. No, no, they're not worth 1.1 million <laughs> I'm going to message you in a minute so you know who that was and you okay. tell me if you think they're worth it. Right. Thank you so much, 